Thank you so much. I am excited to be here. My name is Dr. Drew Rubin. I'm a chiropractor. I've been uh, practicing for 26 years. Uh, I have been gluten-free and dairy-free for a long time. I started dairy-free in 1984 and gluten-free in 1997. So I am extremely familiar with being gluten-free and dairy-free. Uh, it's a lifestyle I've done you know, forever. And as Sarah said uh, before, what we usually do, I travel all over the world. Um, I'm one of the few board-certified uh, pediatric chiropractors in Georgia. Uh, and I travel all over the world to talk to other chiropractors about how to take care of the kids, especially special needs kids. That's my big thing. And everywhere we go, for instance, I'm going to be in Madison, Wisconsin this particular weekend. Everywhere we go, the first thing we do is we fly in and we figure out where is the closest Whole Foods. And we generally go to that Whole Foods, pick up our stuff for the weekend, and then get to our hotel uh, and then get started with the seminar. So uh, Whole Foods has always played a special part um, in our lives. Uh, and one of the first things I want to talk to you guys um, uh, or ask you guys is I have a thousand different things that I could talk about, but what I'd like to know is what do you want to talk about? Because I have an agenda that I can kind of run through my head, but if there's specific things that you want to talk about, let's shout them out and let's talk about the topics you want to hear about. So anybody have a specific guess? Like hidden sources of gluten, like things that you would think are gluten-free, but you don't know for sure. Excellent. Excellent. Right, that hidden sources of gluten. Excellent. Yes? Picky eaters. All right, so you mean adults or kids? <laughs> Both kids. of you. Kids. Who probably need a diet adjustment. Yes, yes, picky eaters. That, that's a great topic and probably one of the most common topics. And you had mentioned travel, yeah. right? And what was the other things? Just like easy choices and foods that don't like, rely on like, gluten-free bread or gluten-free crackers or like, any of like, the mock regular bread products, like, kind of straying away from that. It just gets so expensive so fast. It's nice yes. to like, Yeah. one day and a half, like it's gone. I can't do like $50 on bread alone for like two weeks or whatever, you know? Yes, yes. Yeah, so kind of gluten-free alternatives. Like, yeah. So, I, and I think that, that brings up a really important uh, topic too, is that there's two kinds of gluten-free, right? There's the gluten-free created products and there's, there's naturally gluten-free products, <laughs> right? So like for instance, the, some of the lovely snacks that Sarah has provided for us, uh, Fruits and vegetables, all naturally gluten-free. You don't have to worry about that. Rice is naturally gluten-free. So one of the, my favorite uh, things to suggest to moms like you is, is using products made from rice because rice is naturally gluten. You don't have to remove gluten you know, to create that. I really like uh, you know, products made with rice. I think rice, um, one of my favorite snacks for kids, when my, my son was gluten-free and dairy-free for years until he got older. Uh, and now he's just gluten-free, he doesn't want, he's, he says I'm a part-time gluten-free, dairy-free person. Um, but that's what happens when you have a 22-year-old, right? He said, when I'm in your house, I'm gluten-free and dairy-free. I'm out of the house, I'll eat whatever I want. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, but one of the things that we used to do is, is to make sushi for him. And you can get, like, Whole Foods has great uh, nori, the, the wrap that you can, that they, they wrap sushi with. It's a black seaweed that is actually quite tasty, and you can eat it alone. So my son used to actually eat that alone, and all his friends in school used to say, I want some of that green paper because <laughs> it's green and it's actually quite tasty. It's, it's kind of it's a little saltier. Uh, but what we used to do is we used to make rice and we would make rice in a pressure cooker uh, because it was much, much quicker and almost always made it the perfect, like you don't have to worry about it being overcooked or undercooked. And then we would uh, mix a sushi, our own cult, we call it sushi wraps, where it was just rice and the, and the nori wrapped around. Do you have a preference, so, white or brown? Rice? We like, 
if you're making sushi, white rice makes easier sushi. Uh, uh, unless you know the really good concoctions with the right vinegar and that kind of stuff, which we're not very uh, good with. Uh, but uh, white rice makes it much easier sushi uh, you know, to make it just quickly and stuff. And then you could, if you want, we, we used to throw avocado and cucumber slices in when he's a little bit older and he was able to tolerate you know, that kind of stuff and not throw it away. Yeah. That's a great question. So Sarah asked the question, uh, if someone has celiac and is more sensitive, would you be okay with doing the bulk rice or not? And my suggestion is usually, as if, once again, talking about gluten-free uh, and there's different levels of gluten sensitivity. Uh, I do not have celiac disease. It was a choice, and I'll explain that why in a little bit. Uh, so I don't, have, there's, I don't have to avoid gluten 100%, otherwise you get really sick. We have patients, a uh, number of kids who have celiac disease, and if they have gluten, they are sick. Um, that being the case, uh, I would usually tell people to avoid the bulk ones, even though it's somewhat less expensive, but you want the prepackaged one where you know it was made in a facility, that's 100% only rice and no wheat you know, products. Uh, because sometimes there can be cross-contamination. Not that you would ever have put wheat into that, but because it's a few you know, buckets down from it, there can be some cross-contamination uh, which can occur. And, and Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Great. Great question. And you are right. Another question in the back. Okay. Cool. So um, let's go over some things. So well, the first question was the hidden sources of gluten, which I think is a great question. And it's not just gluten; it's dairy, because you have to read every single label. Um, and if you're like me, you'll either come into a Whole Foods uh, with your glasses, or um, there's an app on my phone uh, that's called. Um, that's called Over 40, and it's a magnifying app. <laughs> because some of the labels are so infinitesimal because uh, there's so many ingredients, or they just, or the bottle or can is so small. So I usually recommend using that app to help decipher it. So generally speaking, uh, we always are looking at labels, and we don't just buy stuff and then once we find something, keep on buying it. Because one of the big things that we've found is that uh, companies will change. And all of a sudden, a product that was 100% gluten-free is no longer 100% gluten-free. And they won't, the, the packaging will look almost very similar. But, so you really got to notice this kind of stuff. Um, so I think that's a really important you know, thing to do. Uh, uh, it's, the, the things that I find are the, the most contaminated are, um, are the mixes of things, where you're getting some sort of uh, like casseroles or, or mixed rice and soup mixes and that kind of stuff. There's a lot of cross-contamination in those. So I'm usually super, super cautious when I'm um, buying any of that kind of stuff or recommending that to someone who might have a cross-contamination issue. Um, versus something like a Udi's bread, like we have over here, um, I would keep on reading their labels and make sure that they, that they're a gluten-free company, so I can't imagine them changing. But I keep on reading their labels just in case something changes. Um, but this is like a gluten-free product. Versus other, when there's these mixed products where there's other stuff, things can easily get cross-contaminated. Uh, for instance, we had a young lady, um, wasn't at a Whole Foods, she was staying at a hotel and the hotel had a free breakfast in the morning. And she asked them, uh, is, what's the stuff that has no gluten in it? And 
they said, oh, the eggs have no gluten in it and the fruit is no gluten in it. So she ate the eggs and she was violently ill for several weeks because the eggs were made with gluten, right? So now I don't even know what earth, what on earth reason that you'd ever put gluten in with eggs. It just doesn't, yeah, they probably were they're probably powdered eggs, um, I would imagine. But either way, it's like, why would there be, so, but those are the kind of things you really have to be super cautious about, yeah. Can I just add, sure. so we Interesting. Didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I assumed that when they're in a can, like they've already been sorted and like whatever, but I guess not. So that's interesting. I yeah. haven't heard that but before. But I always find like whenever I sort my lentils for like a, approximately every quarter couple lentils I sort, I find one grain of huh. or rye or whatever. And yeah, I think that's an important point. Is anytime you're buying anything like that, you need to kind of look through it, especially if you have some severe sensitivities, for sure. Um, one of my favorite apps on the phone, aside from the Over 40 app, uh, is called Find Me Gluten Free. Are you, are you aware of that app? It is the best app I've ever seen. Every single city, we land in that city, I'll go onto the app, it's, it's Find Me Gluten Free, and it, it, it has cross-referenced every city in the United States, Canada, and Europe. Because I was in Italy and we used it, I was in London and we used it, so it is a, a phenomenal app. Um, and you can, you can search, the, the things that I like is that you can search uh, uh, anything near you uh, and it'll come up with, oh, hi Rebecca. <laughs> uh, when Find Me Gluten Free, you, you will search and, and um, it'll give you all the restaurants and all the health food stores and all the Whole Foods that were within uh, like a 25 mile radius of that particular area. So it works super, super well. So it's one of my favorite. Um, apps. Find me gluten free. You should get on your phone. Find me gluten free. Find me gluten free. So let's talk about the second topic, which is picky eaters. Um, uh, that's something that we deal with a lot of in my practice. Uh, we take care of a lot of special needs kids in my practice, and a lot of kids who are um, on the spectrum or have uh, some kind of learning disorders or neurological issues. A lot of them are extremely picky eaters, um, and. People always uh, are saying to me, well, what should we do about these picky eaters? How do we change them? And the first thing we have to do is we have to investigate. We have to find out what they're eating. So my recommendation is a three-step process for picky eaters or changing anybody from a non-gluten-free, dairy-free diet to a, a better diet. The first thing is to investigate is you need to make a food diary. You need to make a food diary. Um, uh, if you want one, I didn't bring them, but if you want them, you can email me. It's on the sheet over there that you got. Uh, I will email you our f food diary, but you can make your own. This you know, Fitbit has its own app for it, and uh, you know, MyFitnessPal has a food diary thing too if you want. Um, but you need to have a food diary and make, give yourself a weak food diary. But here's the key in the food diary and the mistake that most people make. It's not just putting down what you eat. It's putting down how you feel or how the child feels or acts after they eat each meal. So you want, because so you, it's not just the foods, it's, okay, 
the food and then feeling after. The food and then feeling after. And by feeling after, it could be if the child has a tummy ache after that particular food. Or it could be that they're revved up. You know, they, they just, they turned into like this crazy, you know, person. Or they get really drowsy. Or whatever it happens to be, but you want to note that because sometimes that gives you a clue as to what's happening with that particular child. Um, this also goes with breastfeeding. So uh, a lot of uh, kids will have all kinds of, one of the, the number one right reason why in my office we see a little baby is because of colic or reflux. That's the number one reason. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to ask the mom, I want a food diary from you if she's nursing. Um, and then we're going to look at that and see are there any particularly offensive things that might be going on. I will tell you from experience of 20-something years of doing this, gluten is not as problematic with a nursing mom, but dairy is very problematic. Uh, dairy is usually the number one thing that we tell uh, nursing moms to not uh, eat. Uh, and then comes the cruciferous vegetables, um, like broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, sauerkraut, any of the fermented foods, uh, tomatoes, um, spicy foods, those are the big things that we're looking for. Um, so we just did it the other day, one of, the, one of our new moms, um, she had this uh, uh, pretty amazing diet actually, but she had this energy bar. And, uh, and it was a really good bar, like if, if just to, to, to be a mom and to get energy, it was a really good bar. But it was filled with like chia and chlorella and spirulina and like all these like super high charged, you know, kind of things that I think were making the baby a little uh, nuts after she would eat it. So we recommended to pull that, you know, thing out. So sometimes it's super easy, you know, it's the dairy products, but sometimes you have to look. But those food diaries are critical. Uh, so that's the first step is to investigate. Right, we have to find out what they're eating, and if you sometimes it gets, will give you a clue by how, by how they're feeling. Right, the second thing you have to do is you need to uh, change what they're eating, but you don't pull stuff away. One of the worst things you could do with a picky eater that we've seen is to completely eliminate the food as the first thing to do. What you want to do is duplicate. Right, duplicate. So in other words, as an example, if the kid eats a lot of bread, well, you're going to switch the bread from Wonder Bread or whatever junky bread you're eating to Udi's, you know, this is my favorite bread. We, we, There's actually a bigger size, the family size, that we use like all the time uh, in, in, our, in our house. Was it? It's so good. It is, it is it's astonishingly like, good. It tastes like paper and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the best bread ever. Udi's, Udi's has it down. <coughs> Come on in. Hi, Amanda. How are you? Um, so Udi's has it down. I, 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 there's almost nothing of Udi's that I don't like. Um, so that's the, that's the first thing we do is we transition. Um, one of the biggest things that we uh, see uh, that kids uh, who are picky eaters like to eat a lot of is macaroni and cheese. God bless. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> macaroni and cheese. Holy cow. That is the number one picky eater substance. And here's the thing. I want, I want you to, I'm going to ask you guys this question. So the, the top three picky eater foods are macaroni and cheese, what's the other two? Chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets, and pizza. Wow, you guys are right on it. That's, I don't usually get it that quick. <laughs> That's really good. So uh, mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and pizza are the top three uh, like foods that a picky eater will want to eat. Why? Well, there's, there's cheese in all of them, true, but there's and carbs in all of them, too, it's just true, but there's something actually more. It, what's easy about it? All right. It's, okay, for the mom, yes. But thinking about for the kid, think about for the kid. Why is it? Why did he like these foods? They're handheld. And they're handheld. Okay. Okay. You guys aren't getting it. That's fine. All right. You're, you're all right. <laughs> you're all right. But here's the real reason. The real reason is the texture of the food. 
If you would take macaroni and cheese or pizza or chicken nugget and put it into the kid's mouth, would you actually have to chew? Not really. You could, if you wanted to, not that I recommend this, but if you want to, you could just put it in, the, in your mouth and just kind of go like this and nothing and do nothing and your saliva, the amylase and all that kind of stuff will just break it down and you can swallow. So a lot of what we find is a lot of picky eaters have some hypotonia, uh, some weakness in their jaw muscles, in their, uh, in their neck muscles, uh, etc. So we find that this is a really big reason why these kids are eating those kind of foods. So what we do at Mac and Cheese is this, because I, I know the Kraft macaroni and cheese, which you hopefully can't get here. Um, that's like the number one selling product for these special needs uh, kids especially. Um, and what, what we're going to do is we're going to do something different. We're going to get BioNature macaroni, BioNature macaroni, which is the, like, and it's on your list. Uh, it is my absolute favorite pasta. They make amazing, now, there's other pastas too, but BioNature I think is the best. It comes from Italy. Um, and by the way, if you go travel to Italy, Italy is gluten-free everywhere, everywhere. Canada is really good, but Italy is like, we, every restaurant we went, gluten-free pasta, gluten-free bread, it was not a problem anywhere. It was amazing. Uh, yeah, so I, which I didn't expect. I thought they'd be offended, like, gluten-free, no way. <laughs> you know, why did you do that? And, but that, that's not what happened. They were totally okay with gluten-free. But anyway, so you're gonna get BioNature pasta, and then you're gonna get Daiya cheese, D-A-I-Y-A cheese. Uh, and what, do you have the dressing here? Oh yeah, so this is their dressing. We use their dressings too. Do you have the blue cheese one? No, I, I like their blue cheese dressing. Uh, uh, it's really super good. Um, but so Daiya cheese makes a number of... Yeah, this is, there's no dairy in this. Oh, even the blue cheese one? Even the blue cheese one is no dairy. Yeah, so, so we're completely gluten-free and dairy-free. And Daya is, is a great dairy-free product. And it Hold on. <laughs> That's a very good question. Is it like soy or? It's not, I don't think it's soy. I think there are soy It's non-GMO expeller pressed canola oil, uh, water, vinegar, cane sugar, sea salt, Vegan natural flavors, potato starch, potato protein, whole uh, something or the flour that I can't read, uh, garlic, vegan culture, dextrose, lemon juice, concentrate, spices, onion, xanthan gum. So there's no soy in this at all. Okay. Uh, not the canola is the greatest thing in the world, but if, it's hard to make an oil uh, that's going to be dairy-free with olive oil, which can spoil quicker. So they're, they're going to use canola, which kind of lasts longer. Um, so, so diet is an amazing product. So you're going to and so not this product. Uh, this particular thing, but you're gonna use the Daya mozzarella cheese. So you have the BioNature pasta, the Daya mozzarella cheese, and then you're not gonna you're not going to give them. Oh well, here's this instead. You're gonna make both at the same time. You're gonna make the Kraft macaroni and cheese, and you make the Daya BioNature macaroni and cheese. You're gonna make them at the same time, and then you're gonna mix them. So you're gonna put you put three quarters of the Kraft in. For, uh, and then one quarter of the BioNature diet cheese to start with. And then not going to notice a whole lot of difference. And then over time, you're going to transition them, right? So you go from all, you know, the, what they normally used to, to three quarters, to half, half, to one quarter, and then all diet. And, and some, if with some kids, some kids are very brand sensitive. So you may need to keep the Kraft macaroni and cheese box out when you're making it. Depends on the child. Uh, if they're very brand sensitive, so some kids are, are like, they, I want that box, um, then you need to do that. If not, then just slowly transition it. Rebecca? Really? 
That's interesting because uh, what we have found is that diet cheese is the only vegan cheese that melts. So we've never had a problem with diet cheese. Uh, Follow Your Heart, which I also listed on, on this too. Follow Your Heart is another really great vegan cheese. Uh, and there's many other ones, but these are my two faves. Um, but the Follow Your Heart one um, doesn't melt at all, <laughs> ever. Like we put it in a toaster for like when my son was little, he used to like grilled cheese. So and we, it would just, it would, it would soften, but it wouldn't melt. Um, so we, did you use mozzarella? Really? Um, I, yeah, I mean, so you could use mozzarella. There's white American, there's yellow American. They have every flavor you can imagine. So I would maybe just try another flavor um, because I haven't, that's, the, that's interesting, it's the first time I've heard that. So I don't know what So when you make happened. that mac and cheese, do you mix it with milk? Like you have to, like usually when you make mac and cheese, you make it with milk, but do you use almond milk? You use yeah, I use coconut milk or almond milk or, uh, it depends on the child, if they have nut sensitivities, we don't use almonds or coconuts. Uh, soy milk, rice milk, whatever the kid is, can tolerate and stuff like that. Yeah? This is my biggest concern. Okay. And you know my children. Brady. <laughs> literally eats cereal, frozen meals, although he's starting to branch out like he just discovered he likes avocado. Oh good. Which is That's huge. Amazing. Like if I mush it up and add a little salt in it, he'll dip chips in that all day. Oh long. great. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. But <laughs> I honestly don't know. I think he some of his uh outgoingness might be diabetic. Mm-hmm. Because he does not eat well. Mm-hmm. Then I literally cannot get him. He'll try stuff and like, mm. Right. So I'm afraid, I don't know even the transitioning, like if he even catches wind of a different flavor. I, that's, it's a great question. I don't know what to do with him. It's a great question, Mindy. And, and the first thing I usually would recommend is the diet diary. Which I picked one up this morning. Right, good. Yeah, so the diet diary is step one. The step two is we need to look at, at what he's eating and see like the trends of the kind of stuff that he's eating. And then step three is slowly transition. So it may, three quarters and one quarter may be too much, right? That one quarter of the bio nature, you know, diet cheese might be too much. You might have to do like a, just a little drip of it. And so it may take a longer transition, okay. but we've never seen a kid who wouldn't transition over some period of time. Okay. I would love to do it like a couple weeks, you're done. Right. But it's unlikely okay. uh, and harder for. And so it's okay to take a longer period. Oh of time yeah. If I just have to keep going at it and try. And yeah, provided the child isn't having a sensitivity reaction right. to something, you know, right. or, glu- or celiac or whatever, then it's totally fine to just. If it takes six months to do it, okay. it, it just doing it is so much better in the long run than not doing it. Okay. For sure. That was a good question, Mindy. Yeah, you could try one and not the other. He doesn't even like macaroni and cheese. Really? The macaroni and cheese he likes are in his little kid's frozen meals. Really? And he makes sandwiches with his chicken nuggets with the mac and cheese. But he will not eat the craft mac and cheese. How interesting. He's very, I'm telling you, he's very picky. Yes, yes. This mac and cheese might work, this mac and cheese may not work. Right. Chicken nuggets from this restaurant are okay, but chicken nuggets from here are not okay. Yeah, this is. No, that's the other part. I don't cook. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I should say, Trisha, I don't cook. My husband travels so much that it's usually like free for all or 
were swinging through a drive-thru on the way home from karate or... Right, okay, and so this brings up a really good point. This brings up a super good point. Thank you for bringing that up, Mindy. Uh, and that is how to eat out, right? Yeah. So every place you go, you can make the best possible choices you can. So I know places like Chick-fil-A and McDonald's are popular for the chicken nuggets and Zaxby's, all those you know, things have some great you know, chicken nuggets. Filled with gluten, filled with dairy, and filled with MSG and all the kinds of stuff that you really don't want to have the kids in. MSG, that's a whole, that's, that could be a whole other lecture. Um, that's a neurotoxin. Uh, it actually creates uh, headaches and uh, irritability in kids uh, and adults too. So uh, what I usually suggest is if you're gonna go to, if you're gonna go eat out somewhere and you have to go to fast food, try the healthiest possible options that you can. Now I know once again with picky eaters, it's gonna be a tough go yes. of it if that's only the, the only thing they eat is the chicken nuggets. But what I usually tell, tell people is to try, I know all of them, McDonald's, uh, Zaxby's, um, Chick-fil-A, all have grilled options. They all have salad options, fruit options. There's, there's ways to get around it. So like we, I travel extensively two or three times a month. I'm out somewhere speaking to, you know, to some chiropractors or other audiences. Uh, so we are constantly having to eat out, constantly eating on planes. So, but what we have to do is we have to prepare ahead of time. So for instance, we just went on a trip through the Canadian Rockies, which was magnificent. But we prepared ahead of time and we told every hotel that we're coming to, we are gluten-free, dairy-free. We want you to please prepare you know, stuff for us so that when we have these group meals, if it was a group tour, have these group meals that we are, are, are ready for this. We don't have to kind of guess and think about it. So it, just, it takes a lot of extra work beforehand to do certain kind of things, but it makes it so much easier than popping up to a restaurant that has never seen you before and say, what are your gluten-free and dairy-free options? And then you're out of luck. So, so that's why the Find Me Gluten-Free app has been like magical because like we're going to Madison this weekend, like I said, the first thing we did this past weekend when we had a moment is we went on the Find Me Gluten-Free app, put in Madison, Wisconsin, and picked up all the restaurants there and looked at their menus and figured out which ones we're gonna go to. So we mapped out, we know we're gonna eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner the entire three days that we're in Madison, in Wisconsin, speaking out there. So it's important for us to, like the hotel, the hotel that we're staying in is a lovely Holiday Inn, but we called them up and like, what's your options for gluten-free, dairy-free? They're like, fruit? I'm like, okay, that's not gonna work. So we're gonna go to a breakfast place down the road that has gluten-free options you know, for us and dairy-free options. So that's really a super important thing. Um, so that was travel, picky eaters. Book, okay. Uh, th so this is the, one of the most important things that I, I love talking about with uh, groups about gluten-free and dairy-free because it's a little known fact, but this is probably the most important reason of why people, uh, why some kids are more, more reactive than others to gluten and dairy and why it's important to get it out of their systems. Most kids who are reactive to gluten and dairy, the reason they're reactive to these products, whether it's a reaction as a stomachy kind of thing or a nose kind of thing, or it's a reaction in terms of behavior, is because they're missing an enzyme. They're missing an enzyme. The enzyme is known as DPP4. It's super long, I'm not gonna tell you the whole name. It's just learn it, DPP4. And if you're missing the DPP4 enzyme, what happens is the gluten and the dairy in your body is not broken down correctly. And if gluten and dairy is not broken down correctly by the correct enzymes in your body, then it actually turns into an opium-like substance is called glutenomorphines and caseomorphines. So if your child is on glutenomorphines, and, or an adult for that matter, is on glutenomorphines and caseomorphines, that means that they have morphine flowing in their system all day long. 
That's why it's so important to not go cold turkey with these kids. Because you go cold turkey with these kids and they go ballistic. Because why? They're, they're on withdrawal, right? They're like going into the shakes because they're not eating it. So you really have to slowly transition that if the kid has this DPP-4. Is that uh, testable through blood work? It is testable through blood work if you want to find out. Uh, but generally, uh, I'm not a big fan of blood. Um, <laughs> I'm a chiropractor, so <laughs> what we what we usually recommend is, is just try going gluten free and dairy free, and if you and then um, if you see that their behavior changes, it's highly likely that they have a DPP4 deficiency. If you do want to have a test uh, done to see if you have gluten or dairy sensitivity, there is a saliva test that any good chiropractor or medical doctor can order from you. Um, and uh, you essentially got to get your kid to spit into a test tube and then we send it into uh, the lab uh, and then they tell us if you have sensitivity to gluten, dairy, soy, or egg, which is the top four, right? The big four uh, is, is those. Um, so, and that does, it's, it's not that expensive. It's about $85, I think, for that test, which really isn't bad. Um, and uh, so we do that a lot with people who want to know for sure. It's not about DPP-4, but it gives you an idea that there's a sensitivity uh, reaction going on. So um, the last thing I want to talk to you guys about is why I went gluten-free and dairy-free. Um, so I'm going to tell you a very brief story about how it all happened. Um, when I was a kid, uh, I was five years old, and all of a sudden I developed asthma out of nowhere. And uh, I was, it was a Saturday, and I was, this is in 1968 or so, and my parents pulled me out of the pool, and they rushed me to the emergency room, and uh, the doctor said, you have asthma and allergies. And I remember being very upset by that because I didn't have it before, and now all of a sudden I do have it, and I didn't understand what, like, where did it come from? Did I catch this? You know? Uh, and the doctor could said it was just genetics, and you know, your, both your parents have allergies, so you, it just got worse with you. So, for the next 15 years, I suffered with this asthma, and puffed on inhalers, and took allergy shots, and took all kinds of drugs: Slobid, Theophylline, Theodore, Preventil, Albuterol. You name it, I was on these drugs. I had the rest of the. Uh, the rescue inhalers and the nebulizers and blah, blah, blah. Uh, finally, in 1984, I'm driving home from SUNY Albany. I was, I'm a New Yorker uh, at heart. Oh, cool. <laughs> so I'm driving home from SUNY Albany to Long Island, New York, where I'm from. Uh, and I had this horrifying asthma attack as I was driving. And I took, it took a long time to get home. And I forgot my rescue inhaler, uh, inhaler at Albany because I was just going home for the weekend. And by the time I got home, I was gasping for breath, and I ran to the bathroom, passed my parents, and puffed on the inhaler. And I was like, <gasps> like thank God it was there, and it saved me. And, and I said to my parents, I'm 20 years old at the time, and I said, if this is how sick I am at age 20, what's going to happen to me at age 40? Right, and what could your parents say you know, to that one, right? Um, they're like, I love you. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so uh, a few weeks later, though, my mom started going to a chiropractor. For why? Why did she start going to a chiropractor? Back pain, right. So, but this chiropractor taught her that chiropractic is not just about your back, it's about your whole body and how to, your body can work better. So she calls me up and says, you gotta come see this chiropractor. Maybe he can help you. And I'm like, ma, I don't have any back pain. I'm 20, you know, I, this, what are you talking about? She said, just come see this guy. I want you to come listen to him. So I went to see this chiropractor, Dr. Ed Zawaki, Long Island, New York. And uh, he said to me, I hear you have asthma and allergies, is that true? And I said, yes. And he said, do we breathe the same air? That was one of the most profound questions anybody has ever asked me. I'm like, yeah, I was like, uh, yeah. He said, well, if we breathe the same air, how come you have asthma and allergies and I don't? 
uh, I don't know. And he said, well, why do you think you have asthma? I said, well, it's the pollen, right? It's the pollen, it's the hay fever, it's the rose fever, it's the spring, it's the weeds, it's the... And he said, no, 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 no. He said, it's how your body responds to all that kind of stuff, right? Because my body, his body, the chiropractor's body, I don't have that kind of problem. I breathe the same way you do, I don't have that, right? You breathe this, you do. He said, there's two things we gotta do. Number one, we gotta get your nerve system working 100% so that when you get in front of pollen, it doesn't freak out, right? Number one, and number two is you gotta change your diet. And we didn't even talk about diet at that point. He said, we gotta change your diet. I said, I eat really good. He said, yeah, what do you eat? what's your favorite thing to eat? Guess what I said? Pizza, Pizza mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, right? I, and my, my doctor growing up, my pediatrician growing up, I, I'm not a big guy, but I was a really scrawny kid. He told me to drink four glasses of milk at every single meal. He said, milk grows a body good, right? Destroying the milk mustache before the milk mustache, that's what he, they used to say. So I would drink four glasses of, of regular milk every single meal, along with whatever macaroni and cheese or pizza or junk I was eating, Chef Boyardee, raviolios uh, I was eating. And um, he said, I knew it. He said, I knew it. So we, we have got to clean your nerve system up and we got to clean your diet up. And lo and behold, in three months, was my last asthma attack in 1984, which is why I became a chiropractor, right? That's why I do what I do, and why I'm especially fond of taking care of kids, uh, because I, I don't want them to suffer the way I suffer, right? So in closing, what I want to illustrate to you is how important what it is that we put into our bodies means to us, right? Because what you put in comes out. Just like you know the old computer thing, garbage in, garbage out, right? It's the same thing. What we put into our bodies means something to us. And if we don't put in a good, healthy diet, we don't put in a, a proper, healthy nerve system, then our body just isn't gonna be 110% the way it should be. Because now, at 53, I am like way stronger. I can outrun, out-endurance, outlast, out-everything myself. Um,